I almost gave up on being kind because I started beating myself up about like, why do you always want to have this urge to help people? And why do you always want to be able to give back? And it's unfortunate. I started beating myself up about it, right? Because I was like, you're gullible. Why, why were you doing this and that? And then, you know, whatever, I worked through it. And I said, you know what? Inherently, that is who I am. And even if I try to push it down and suppress it, it's something I want to do every day. It all begins by understanding the mind. I want to be happy now. I don't care about the future. I want to be happy right now. You are not alone. You are never, ever, ever alone in this. It's helped my voice grow and given me freedom to be creative on my own. I'm Christina Barcy. Welcome to Be Bold Begin, a podcast dedicated to you, the creative, the healer, and the innovator. The topics and conversations we have here are designed to help you discover what might be getting in your way and offer you tools, techniques, and guidance to move through them. I live in the imposter's body more than I live in my own body. I don't have to feel like I don't deserve this. This is where creativity and healing intersect. If you decide to be bold and begin, you have the opportunity to feel humbled and empowered. I totally believe that. I'm a certified Kaizen Muse creativity coach, a certified Reiki energy healer, and an entrepreneur, artist, and presenter. I will share with you my experiences, my proven tools and techniques that helped me and my clients and loved ones shift and expand in the areas they most desired. This is a gentle and open space where you will hear how others are being bold to encourage you to begin your own journey or expand the one you're on. This is Be Bold Again. Hi, welcome back. This is Barcy, your host, and this is Be Bold Begin. And our very special guest today is someone who I feel very lucky to know mm. and now call a friend. But she was introduced to me by a client of mine, Heather Monahan. So big shout out to Heather because she yes. is Thank super you, Heather. badass. Yes. Thank you, Heather. <laughs> Her podcast is called Creating Confidence. And I think you, the listener, I think you might like it as well. But today's guest is also... <laughs> super badass and is doing some very aligned and message driven work. She's certified gorgeous and she was a former Miss USA. She's a huge lover of animals and has an amazing dog named Moose. Yes. He's a small pony. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Pony puppy. Pony puppy. She's also an entrepreneur. She makes her own rules, but in the kindest way. Mm. And I cannot wait to learn more about all that she's been very busy creating. And if you're in Los Angeles, you might know her also from her longtime gig anchoring at KTLA. Welcome, Ms. Lou Parker. Hi, Varsi. So good Hi. to see you. I know we spent a lot of time working and then we took a break and it's so good to see your face and hear your voice. Same. I I miss our weekly time together. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So we met back in 2020, which feels like yesterday and like a million years ago Mm -hmm. all at once because of 2020. Yeah. (laughs) Feels like a long time ago, actually. (laughs) It does. It does. And then it doesn't because I Mm -hmm. feel like here you are and I feel like we're picking up right where we left off in some ways. Yeah. Well, I felt really, really lucky to be working with you because when we got in there, I discovered very quickly that you are just so completely you. You're very authentic. Mm. You are exactly who you are. And I appreciate that so much. So it was very easy to have an intuitive experience with you, which Mm -hmm. if anyone knows me, they know that's my thing. (laughs) 
So I appreciated that so much. I definitely feel like we connected. Yes, absolutely. So I'm going to jump right in and I have a pregame question for you. Okay. This this one's just for fun. (laughs) So (laughs) what was the best or most difficult question you had to answer during your Miss USA pageant? Oh. If you remember. I know, because it was so long ago. Seriously. Well, I didn't mean it that way. (laughs) Anytime someone says I was a former Miss USA, I'm like, that was 150 years ago. And they, uh, you know, it's like, ha, ha, ha. But so listen, I had to answer a lot of questions because you have to do one-on-one with the judges and then you have to do the on-stage questions. So, I mean, there were a couple that I felt like I stumbled on, but the one in Miss USA when I was in top six, getting ready to, they were going to cut three of us to go to the top three. It was something about shock jocks and Howard Stern and the FCC. And, you know, I was 25 and you've got to think back then there was no cell phone, no internet, anything. So I didn't listen to Howard Stern. I didn't, I barely knew who he was. So I sort of said something and they were like, do you feel that, you know, the FCC should crack down on shock jocks like this guy or whatever? And I said something to the fact that like, if he's saying really super negative things about people, blah, blah, I just rambled on and, but I said it with confidence. And when I look back, whatever I said, I said with confidence and I said it in a, you know, it came from my heart, but it wasn't a great answer. But I think because I said it with confidence, it was sort of, I didn't ramble on. It was just period. And I stopped talking, which I think is a great business component that I've learned from people before. Ask what you want, say what you need, and then stop talking. Oh, I like that a lot. Thank you for turning that into a hot tip. I love Mm, that. Because then somebody has to respond, right? Yes. When you're not talking, someone else has to fill the space. Yes. Very smart. And I've mm-hmm. heard that from other very good negotiators that they just wait for someone else to speak. They take all the information in mm-hmm. and then maybe they'll talk. Maybe they won't. Yeah. I didn't learn that until like 20 years later, but yeah, that's the, that's the advice. I didn't know it back then, obviously, but you knew but it in something your heart worked, something worked cause I, it worked out, but you know, it, Yeah. (laughs) I love that. I love Mm -hmm. the idea of just saying what you need to say and then Mm -hmm. period. Yeah. Right. Well, on that note, I'll keep talking. So, (laughs) (laughs) so we talked a little bit yesterday and one thing that I realized while we were talking is your undeniable ability to lead from the heart. Mm. And we kind of just touched on that a little bit too. So Do you feel like that was something that you grew up with that was already innate or was that something you kind of grew into? I think I was born, I always say I was born happy. Mm -hmm. And then as I evolved and I've always just been super drawn to people and animals and helping and, you know, saving all the animals. And I had like a cemetery in the backyard, you know, saving the squirrels and the little mice. And I just was always a careful child in that I wanted everyone to be happy and safe. And I think I'm still that way a little bit. So I think that's where that sort of evolved. And then as I got older, it manifested into sort of a hippie vibe a little bit through college. And I still am kind of a hippie gypsy inside, even though I wear a lot of makeup and false eyelashes and I tell the news (laughs) and I was in pageants. (laughs) Right. So it's a, a little bit of a dichotomy, but yeah. So I think it's something I didn't create or intentionally develop. It's just there, you know, and I'm, it's part of you. It's part of me. Yeah. So do you know, a lot of people experience 
a shift in their teenage head, right? Where that's not mm-hmm. cool anymore to like be who we know we are to be when we're kids. How did you stay on path with that and just stay authentic to who you are? I know I went through that. Honestly, I never thought about it. I never thought about it. That's great. To be honest, I've never really sat back and said, I need to be this way or I need to be that way. Now I have, as I've gotten older, you know, after you've been in relationships and stuff, if you continually hear the same word or, you know, concept, um, I wasn't a great communicator as I got older in relationships. I think I had a childhood where everything was good, right? So like, even if things were bad, everything's good, but we didn't Uh, communicate about the bad. We just mm -hmm. sort of like, everything's okay. You know, like everyone's happy. And and there was never really any major bad. My parents divorced, but they even made that happy. Wow. Yeah. Cause they stayed together, meaning they were involved in my life and stuff. So just learning to communicate. That's a really interesting point. But I was curious mm-hmm. how old you were when they were divorcing. Sixth grade, I think. And my brother okay. was fourth. So fairly young, Um, but not too young. And then my mom remarried pretty quickly to a guy. And now I had this second family and still a great father, you know, so I had a, I had mm -hmm. a great base and my parents, I would say are both very kind. They are kind people. I lost Mm -hmm. my dad in 2020. He was very kind and gentle with me. And, you know, I don't remember him ever yelling at me except like maybe, you know, I'm sure he did when I was younger, but like he didn't have that relationship where he fussed or yelled. And my mom's the same, like she's just, they're just kind people. And I think that's something they're born with. And then they just teach by example or taught by example. So the environment that was created for Mm -hmm. you was sort of fostering that already. Yeah, I think so. I grew up in South Carolina in Charleston, South Carolina. But then when my mom and dad divorced, we moved away about two hours away to a tiny town of like 5,000 people. So I'm a country girl, horses and wow. motorcycles and small town. And But then I ended up going to college in the city and graduate school and everything. But I have, you know, my core is country. I'm very comfortable in a barn. I'm very comfortable on a horse, on a motorcycle. Again, kind of weird because I was in pageants and I'm on, you know, TV now. So it's this weird thing that people don't really think about. But I love being out in the country and I love nature and I love barefoot and no makeup. Mm. Again, that just breeds authenticity to me because it's just being just being really when, yeah. when we are in nature. I think we connect that way. We can often feel more free and like we can yep. just be ourselves in that space. Yeah. And I have to point out your shirt because it says yes be kind y'all be kind <laughs> y'all so i'm not sure when i look at it it looks backwards obviously on the camera but um yeah be kind y'all because i'm from the south exactly. so this is some of our merchandise from be kind and co the company but i thought be kind y'all would be kind of nice to have just because i still say y'all it's so you yeah <laughs> i love it so as a kid then did you kind of know who you wanted to be? Did you have an idea of what that was going to be? Or did you just kind of follow what arrived in your life and followed the thread? So I actually wanted to be a veterinarian. But somehow I got sidetracked from that. And it's interesting when I look back, I know someone said this to me, I'm not sure who it was. But someone said, why would you want to be a veterinarian? Like all you're going to do is like be around blood and operations and dead animals. And I was like, Oh, you know, and so they planted that seed in my head, Mm. which instead of saying, 
that's so great. Like, what a wonderful profession. Like, you're going to save animals and you're going to save lives. But that one transition shifted me. I don't remember going, oh, I'm going to not do a veterinarian medicine because of that. But I definitely remember someone saying that to me, which is really fascinating. So, Mm. you know, I'm very aware of that when I talk to kids or teenagers. I'm very aware of that now and say, you know, when they say, I want to blah, blah, blah. I say, that's great. If that's what you want to do, I think that's amazing. And then I ask another question, follow up, as opposed to to putting my stuff on them, right? Right, that's a really But then nice... we wouldn't be here talking if I were a veterinarian in South Carolina. That's true. You'd have a very <laughs> different trajectory. How funny, right? Like one little yes. thing can uh-huh. change our lives. But I feel like, okay, let's say that kid never said that to you. Mm-hmm. I bet there would be something else where you would make a discovery and shift paths that would feel aligned, Right. I totally agree. I went to college to get a business major. I think that's what my dad wanted. And I sat in economics class and I was like, this is not for Lou Parker. And so I switched it to English because I love literature and I love reading and and writing more than reading. And it just was easy for me. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, so that transition went from there to I ended up teaching high school English lit for a couple of years. And so that's where that transition happened. And then I ended up being in the pageant. That's what switched my life when I was 25, my life sort of 360. How did that come about? The pageant? Mm Mm-hmm. The pageant was interesting because I competed when I was in high school a couple of times in the Miss South Carolina teen pageant. Mm -hmm. And then I didn't for like 10 years. And back then, again, there was no internet, no cell phone. A letter came in the mail. And I remember where I was sitting, Barcy, at my desk in my bedroom in my apartment. I was 24, maybe. And it said, you could be the next Miss USA. The cash and prizes could be yours, you know, and how exciting and blah, blah, blah. And you move to Los Angeles if you win Miss USA and it's life of whatever. And I remember it saying the age limit was 18 to 27. And Mm -hmm. I specifically remember thinking, gosh, I don't want to be like, you know, 40 because I thought 40 was old back then. I don't want to be in my 40s and regret not taking this chance. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I was already 24. I needed to go ahead and do it. And I worked really hard and got in great shape for it. And mm-hmm. I mean, literally six months later, I was living in LA. Wow. So yeah, what, it was crazy. Did it happen in Los Angeles? No, I represented the state of South Carolina in the state of Texas, because at that time, basically what happens is each year, a city will pay a certain amount of money for the pageant to come to their city right? And then that way we advertise the city. They show all the girls like frolicking on the beach or at the tourism side or at the restaurants and things. So I won in Texas. But then once I won Miss USA in Texas as Miss South Carolina, they immediately moved me to Los Angeles because that's where the company used to be based. Mm, So that's, and I moved here and I was like, what in the heck is this place? What? I have died and gone to heaven. Like I just thought, ugh. So you fell in love with Los Angeles. Oh, immediately. So now I just want to understand the business of <laughs> of the pageant because they brought uh-huh. you to Los Angeles. And then is there a timeline where they're like keeping you? Yes, yeah, a year. Funded? It's a year contract. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a year contract. You get a small salary. You have a free apartment, free transportation before Uber. You know, right. I want a car. I want a ski boat. I want like cash. I want. And then you travel all over the country and make appearances and. Then I oh. also competed in Miss Universe as Miss USA in the Philippines. Like, it's a business. Wow. 
Yeah. I never thought of it that way. And Mm -hmm. so hearing what it does for the women that win and also Mm -hmm. what it does for the communities and it's so interesting. Yeah. It, it totally changed my life and definitely what I was supposed to do at that time. Like I didn't really know that that was what I was supposed to do. That's the universe sending that letter to me and me opening it in the right headspace mm-hmm. and the right heart space. Right. And for me to say, sure, because I had not opened that letter all the years before. Okay. So, you know, I opened the letter and then, you know, I went, I'm super comfortable on stage. I'm super comfortable with people. And that's all pageants are, you know, being able to communicate your thoughts and being able to interact with everybody because you're going out into the community and talking with kids and adults and sponsors. And it was a perfect path. It was the perfect path for me. And then it helped me to move into television eventually, too, which I never saw coming either. <laughs> yeah. So tell us about that as well. Yeah. Was there a t- was there a gap in between when the year ended with the pageant mm-hmm. commitment, the contract there? And did you go back to teaching or was there something else you did? I did here? not. So I was living out here. And, you know, I always say I showed up in a limousine and I left in a cab <laughs> because it's literally like the next girl comes along and it's like, OK, bye. Um, not, not really, but you know, it's, you know, and this guy from pageantry magazine was really cool one time. He was like, you know, once you're Miss USA, you're always Miss USA. You know, you're just not the year of the Miss USA. And I was like, okay, thanks. But I was kind of ready to move at that point, move on and, you know, get on with my life. But I didn't know what I wanted to do actually. And I was living out here in LA. I didn't want to be an actress. I'm a horrible actress. And the CBS station, which is really strange, the CBS station back in Charleston, South Carolina, where I'm from, had followed me to the Miss USA pageant, right? Because I was a local teacher. And then they had actually followed me all the way to the Philippines when I competed in Miss Universe. So oh, wow. they were aware of me, right? And an education reporter's job opened up. And my mm-hmm. agent was like, hey, they're interested in hiring you back in Charleston. And I was like, to do what? And they were like, report. And I was like, I don't know how to report. Like, I've never been on TV. And so Mm. anyway, long story short, long process of going back and interviewing, trying to decide if I wanted to go back to South Carolina or if I wanted to stay in L.A. And I ended up taking the job. My acting coach at the time was like, hey, as long as you're on camera, you're working. So I took that as advice. So you were in acting class. I was in acting class, but a... A failing actress. <laughs> <laughs> so you kind of tried I, it. I tried it, but I, I didn't like it. I really, mm-hmm. I was uncomfortable. And maybe mm-hmm. I was uncomfortable because I wasn't able to express emotions. Like I wasn't able to express myself in, you know, crying or anger. I, I was always right here and like happy and like, ah. right. So it was too much for me. It was pushing too many buttons. Now I can say that now. I didn't know that back then, but now I, I can see Now I probably could do all that stuff because I've experienced life, right? And I can go there. But back then I was just like, hey, (laughs) y'all. I know. I think that's That's all I could play was, hey, (laughs) y'all. And they were like, we're we're supposed to be in New York right now. But anyway, I left and went back and I had, you know, a little bit of nervousness around that. And I was nervous to leave L.A. because I really love California. But I wanted to, you know, I thought working in television would be a great career. And it would be exciting and a challenge. And I took the chance and I worked in that market for two years. And then I got a job in San Antonio, Texas, and I moved there 
on my 30th birthday and I only knew two people, the mm-hmm. guy who I would be working with and the guy who hired me. And I could not have been happier because I was almost back to California. You were getting closer. <laughs> I was getting closer. <laughs> so how did you end up back in California? I worked in San Antonio and honed my craft for like seven years. And then I got a, I had an agent obviously at the time and I used every vacation to come out here and meet with people and interview. And finally, KTLA in 2005 hired me as the weekend anchor and general mm-hmm. assignment reporter. And so I moved here in 2005 and I've been with Thank them since. And I've um, now I'm an anchor, a weekday anchor here, Monday through Friday. And it has been a really interesting path. I can't believe I've been here 16 years. It's pretty crazy. Wow. So mm-hmm. did you fall in love with anchoring then? And was it different being in Texas and then being in Los Angeles? The job is not different, except that LA has more news. Like we're, you know, something's always happening here. You know, there's either mm-hmm. the car chase or shooting or what, whatever it is, or a big event or the Lakers or that. So yes, San Antonio and LA are totally different, you know, 1 million people to 11 million people, you know, it's like completely different. But I had a great base, I still have a good base of friends in San Antonio. So that's awesome. And then moving out here, I've created my own little world here of men and women and friendships and experiences. And yeah, but the job's not really any different. You just get better at what you're doing, if that makes sense. Because it's just years yeah. and experience oh, and breaking news. That's good to know. And mm-hmm. it seems like you love it. Do you enjoy? I do. And what I always say is that when I'm sitting on the set, it feels like home in a way. And what I mean by that is that I feel like I'm at my own dining room table or sitting on my own sofa. Like I feel that comfortable wow. in my body and in my confidence and in my calmness. That's very powerful. Mm-hmm. Did that take time to get to that oh, point? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And, I th- I and mean, it sounds like it was part of who you are as well. Well, you have to find confidence in yourself, and you have to learn, um, especially with breaking news, you can do reporting and you can do anchoring on the prompter, right, reading the mm-hmm. prompter. But when breaking news happens, when you're having to ad-lib what you see or what you're being told in your ear and then tell that to the audience and actually make sense Mm. and not say anything that's controversial or one-sided or you just say what you see. That's what you essentially get paid for. Ultimately, Mm. that's what the paycheck is for is that because if you're bad at it, it's just it can be painful. I used to get so nervous when it was breaking news because I didn't feel confident. So my heart rate was like, boom, 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 you know, where you feel like it's just like gonna like public speaking for some people, you know, right. But it's just part of the part of the game now part of the process. Well, thank you for sharing that. I I think it's nice to know what the process is behind things that seemingly look like, like they're confident because you Mm -hmm. are now and, Mm -hmm. but there was a journey there. Oh, it took years. Oh Mm -hmm. yeah, 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 for sure. We look back at some of my live reports when I first started the first couple of years and my best friend would always watch them and she'd say, Oh, I'd say, I'd call her right after I'd say, how did I do? I know I stumbled on that second question. She was like, oh no, I'm sure it felt worse than it looked. And she always made me feel so much better. And like about three years ago, I looked back at some of those live shots and I was like, she was totally lying to me. (laughs) It was, it was horrible, horrible. (laughs) But you know, you're, that's why you work in smaller markets so you can get better. You know, that's why in our work, you just have to keep, you know, one foot in front of the other. It's a process. Yes. (laughs) But I love that you had a friend kind of there to help Mm -hmm. you get 
you, we've got to put the foot in front of the other, like you said. Right. But if we feel right. terrible, we might not do that. So we need friends like <laughs> like your friend. <laughs> All that said, so you love what you do as a day job, but I'm mm-hmm. going to switch gears a little bit because I want to talk about your company that you're creating and that you've yes. created called Be Kind & Co. What inspired you to begin that? Mm-hmm. And especially when you're already very happy in your life. So mm-hmm. why start something new? And what was the point of inspiration for it? Well, I've figured out, Barcy, that I always have some type of project going on. I think I take after my mom when it comes to that. It's always like I'm a seeker, so I'm always seeking more information and, and I'm learning it as I go, right? Be Kind and Co. was not something that I have ever really thought about. And initially it was going to possibly be a book or uh, internet push, you know, to get people to do something almost like the Alzheimer's water bucket challenge they did for a while. But it ended up moving into a blog for the most part that became Be Kind and Co. All Around Kindness. And you and I have discussed it before, but I had a situation happen to me about four years ago that was really unfortunate and a really difficult situation that I had to go through publicly where I was trying to be kind to someone and it blew up in my face. And working through that, I say I almost gave up on being kind because I started beating myself up about like, why do you always want to have this urge to help people? And why do you always want to, you know, be able to give back? And it's unfortunate. I started beating myself up about it, right? Because I was like, you're gullible. Why, Why were you doing this and that? And then, you know, whatever, I worked through it. And I said, you know what, it is who I am going back to what we talked about at the beginning of this podcast is that inherently, that is who I am. And even if I try to push it down and suppress it, it's something I want to do every day, I Mm -hmm. find myself wanting to do that every day, and that I work on doing every day is to listen and acknowledge and help other people as well as myself. So I have to ask you then, sorry to interrupt, but Mm -hmm. what helped you get to that realization? What was the process like? A lot of tears, a lot of self-reflection, conversations with my girlfriends who I've known since I was 18, who knew me from that stage on, right? Because I was like, I I remember telling one of my girlfriends specifically, I was like, you know, I'm just going to start being a, you know, a B-I-T-C-H, you know, and like, that's so high school, but, but, um, (laughs) And I remember her saying, no, you can't be that. That's not who you are, right? And then you're going to be like us, you know? And so she made me laugh, right? (laughs) But it made me realize that she saw me in that light, in the light that I felt that I was living, if that makes sense. Yes. And it helped me to realize that it was an unfortunate situation. And what we've talked about before is that when you speak your truth down the road, all that truth comes out and all of that will be released, meaning emotionally released and being able to talk about it. But I think for me, I started writing immediately. I started journaling and writing immediately because that's how I was able to process it, um, which ultimately I'd like to make it into a book that ultimately helps people that have also gone through just a bad time in their life or like an unfortunate situation and how I worked through it. Yes. But I never ended up doing that. It ended up becoming Be Kind and Co., which has turned into this online magazine, now merchandise. I was going out and doing speaking engagements, but then COVID hit. But I expect that to pick back up later this year and next year, where I'm able to actually go out and talk to people about the situation that happened to me and how I worked through that process and how I was kind to not only myself, but even though the person who 
this whole situation happened around, I'm even, you know, trying to send her kind energy, right? And trying to work through that forgiveness, you know? And it's cathartic for me, but I think it also helps other people work through things that they've gone through. Some things that are worse than what I've gone through, and then maybe something that's not as bad, you know? But we're all humans, and we all, you know, life's not always easy. (laughs) Right. Thank you for sharing all of that. Mm -hmm. That's a lot. There's a lot there. Yeah, there's a lot. (laughs) There's a lot there, meaning that... It's very relatable. I think we go through that as humans. I think most of us have an experience where we have to start to question something about ourselves, whether it be what we believe in or what we want to do next Mm -hmm. or whether what we're doing is worthwhile or if it's the right Mm -hmm. thing or we get reflected back something about ourselves often or at least once in our life where we have to really stop and think, but has this amazing opportunity to choose, right? Whenever we're given that choice, which I believe we always have a choice to decide, Mm -hmm. you know, which way we want to deal with a thing or how we want to feel about ourselves or how we want to approach something. When it's a big thing like that, it really shows Mm -hmm. us who we are. And I like that you've turned it into a platform that has many lives, you probably will still write that book. I expect a book in a few years. (laughs) That will probably happen. You've done the work. You've Mm. already gone out and done some speaking and planning to do more. And I can completely see that being very relatable and very convertible to so many audiences Mm -hmm. and what you're doing with Be Kind & Co. So that said, absolutely. (laughs) Thank -hmm. you for sharing it. I think it's so Mm -hmm. important. What do you hope for the company? Is there a big vision that you have where it might go next, how you would like it to serve? Yes. Well, for sure, the way I want it to serve is to allow people who are involved in our community to understand that there is a community of kindness and that not to give up on the world because we see so much that's negative in the world, be it just the world in general, COVID, politics, life relationships. But specifically, I have this fantasy and I hope it happens if not later this year at some point. Like I really I'm always fascinated what makes women specifically tick for the lack of a better word, but like the choices that we make, the men or the women that we choose, the jobs we choose, the clothes we wear, the emotions we allow in or out and being able to bring a bunch of women together, strong, shy, everybody together and for one day for a big event, I think could be so powerful. And then ultimately, maybe even for two or three days, you know, just so we can come together and support one another and feel supported and be listened to and be heard and to share and cry and laugh and pillow fight and, you know, do all that crazy stuff, you know, but that's a big dream of mine is to be able to have events like that, because I think it's important for us to step away from what we do all the time and really go inside and like know that other women are struggling as well and either, you know, trying to create a business or in their relationships or, you know, with a family situation. And so I think the company, like you said, has a lot of avenues. It has that, it has my speaking, the book, the merchandise, and then contributing writers. That's mm-hmm. kind of where we I stand right now with it. I don't know what's going to come from it. I just know that I enjoy doing it. That's a key word. There has to be Mm -hmm. some joy in the process Mm -hmm. and some reason for doing what we do Mm -hmm. or else, you know, maybe we'll just pick something else and it'll take on a new life, but which isn't necessarily bad either. Just different. There has to be joy. 
Yeah, and I think it lasts till it lasts, you know? I think another thing in life is that I think we think about sometimes is relationships, you know, like end, right? And Mm -hmm. friendships and love relationships. And even, you know, I lost my dad last year. That relationship ended. But everyone comes into our lives and our companies come into our lives and whatever it is, our jobs come into our lives. They also leave or they can leave. And that's okay. Like I've got to look at it that, and that's something that I've been trying to process as a Mm -hmm. woman, that it's okay if someone leaves your life. It's okay if you decide you don't want to do this company anymore or this job anymore or whatever it is. It's never, ever, 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 ever too late. And I have to constantly tell myself that, right? As we age, it's like, oh, I can't do that. How dare I do that now? Yes, I hear this a lot Mm -hmm. from other women in my life, Mm -hmm. particularly more women just in my own experience. I don't, Mm -hmm. I'd be curious to know what the demographics are on that thought and feeling, but I think Mm -hmm. it's very human. Society likes to tell women though, when they're done Mm -hmm. (laughs) and it's very easy to take that on. Yeah. Especially someone in a, in the limelight, you know, you're on television every day basically. And people like to tell us. I don't think it's just me. I think, um, you know, or people, I think it's all women. I think they, you know, society tells us yes, when everything is done, you know, you can't have kids anymore. You're too old to do this or you shouldn't be doing that. Or it's like, ah, (laughs) (laughs) yeah, you're absolutely right. It's everyone. And Mm -hmm. I, I was just speaking to the fact that, you know, when we're more visible, there's more people commenting. Yes. Right. And being in LA, I grew up in Los Angeles too. And I always felt like just, I didn't really want anyone else's opinion about what I should and shouldn't do. Mm. It's part of the reason why I'm an entrepreneur as well. It's, I appreciate sort of leaning into what I feel is most intuitive and best for me Mm -hmm. and, and my surroundings and everything. And, and yeah, it's, it's, it's great to talk about because there are definitely moments where I feel that and it's just part of the site for us to work through and to talk about it, acknowledge it, know that we're not alone. And whatever it is that you're doing, meaning you, the listener, mm-hmm. if that's filled with purpose and message and it's in your heart, then it's worth mm-hmm. doing. And when that purpose mm-hmm. serves its purpose, then it might be time to move on, right? Like, it's okay to move on. I think 100%. And then on the opposite spectrum of that, I think that the phrase you are enough or I am enough is pretty powerful too. And that like, if I stopped right now, I'm still enough. Yes. It's not defining of your worth. Yes. Separate, separate thing. Absolutely. I thank you for saying that. And it's very important to know the difference Mm -hmm. and to know that our worth exists just because we are. Yeah. And that's it. Thank you for that. So coming back to just the process of creating Be Kind and Co, because we have a lot of Mm -hmm. people listening who may be starting something or who have projects or want to start a business, things of that nature. Can you just tell us a little bit about what the process was like? Was there anything that was surprising to you when you started the venture? Yeah, it's a lot of work. (laughs) It's like once you commit, you know, someone said it the other day, a friend of mine uh, posted about his wife who is um, an entrepreneur as well. And he was saying how proud he was of her and everything. And then he said, you know, there's so much work. And then he put in parentheses, lonely work, right? And in a way, because it is lonely work. And I know that you do it, you know, you sit and you constantly are 
doing your projects, right? Even on the weekends. And, and I do, I wake up on Saturday morning sometimes. And I'm like, what are you doing? Stop. <laughs> you, you know, it's like, it yeah. can be very difficult because it's, you know, it's not like you have this huge company with a bunch of employees. You are the employee, you are the company. And so I think that surprised me. But surprise is a interesting word because, you know, even with preparing for the pageant, or preparing for TV news, I'm not afraid of that work. I know it's like small goals lead to the large goal. Mm -hmm. But I think setting goals, which I have not done as much with Be Kind and Co., I've sort of just let it be very fluid. There are no timelines. There are no like deadlines. So that sometimes makes it a little uncomfortable for me because I'm used to like, well, if I do this, this, and this, I get this, right? With Be Kind and Co., it's more like, okay, I do this, this, and this, and then like, what's what happened? Or where is it taking me now? It's very fluid, right? And I'm trying to be open to that. And like when the speaking gig showed up, right? Wasn't expecting that to come. And I was like, okay, if that's where this is leading, then let's start talking because I love to talk. So yeah, okay. That's interesting. And maybe surprise should have been unexpected because mm-hmm. surprise isn't is whatever we want it to be, right? It's yeah, of course. Just something that we weren't expecting. <laughs> yeah, totally. <laughs> and it's true. The work is mm-hmm. part of it that there's no way to, from my experience being an entrepreneur and a podcasting too, there's really no way for me to convey how much work it's going to be to someone who's getting started. So that's where the joy and the passion have to be really Mm -hmm. solid. You have to really love it because the work will be there. Yeah. (laughs) And also know that I think it's really important to be with someone too, who understands that if you're working on your passion, you may have to put in a couple of extra hours after work, right? You talk to a lot of people who are super successful they don't become successful overnight. They, you know, do a lot of times. And even in like my situation, I work all day as a TV news anchor. And then I come home and sometimes I work till 10 o'clock at night on the computer, either emailing people back or writing and planning and projecting. And, you know, you and I have discussed too, like at some time you, you make time, right? right? You learn to give yourself some space and not put so much pressure on yourself. Right. Yeah. There's ways to do it Mm -hmm. and it can ways to not do it and ways to not do it. And I've done both actively sometimes at the same time, weirdly enough, but it's a process and it's Mm -hmm. as someone who loves projects, I think any process is worth trying and you can decide for yourself, you know, Mm -hmm. do you think think people can get addicted to projects? Absolutely. I think, I mean, I can only speak for myself Mm -hmm. because I get addicted to the work because I do like to work. I've realized Mm -hmm. I enjoy it, but because I enjoy it so much, sometimes I'll say yes a little too much. Yeah. So I have to personally exercise better boundaries at times, Mm -hmm. which I'm doing now. It's very easy to be like, yeah, I want to do that. Yeah, I want to help you. That sounds fun. Or, you know. (laughs) (laughs) Meanwhile, then you're out of, uh, you're at the gas tank out of gas you know? out of gas no more hours yeah. left in the day and yeah. that's a finite you know entity time is finite so yeah. it's really all about maximizing that and figuring out how to organize and systemize mm-hmm. and it took me a few years to figure that out but mm-hmm. for me lately that's the most valuable the lessons I've learned through starting a venture so Lou thank you so much for everything that you've shared so far can you tell us where we can find you and how we can engage with Be Kind and Co.? Yes, super easy. It's bekindinco.com. But I'm on Instagram a lot. 
I love Instagram. Be Kind of Co is on it, but then Lou Parker LA also on Instagram, but I'm on all the platforms. And then I have some fun merchandise, lots of cool t-shirts. One says this equality t-shirt I have that's born kind, which is fun for men and women in black and white. I have a be a kind human, be kind y'all. And (laughs) I just love it because it's merchandise with a message. And I feel like you can wear it in the grocery store. You don't even have to say anything to anybody. They read it and maybe it sticks with them. Oh, I love that. Well, thank you so much, Lou. For yeah, your time. thank you, Barcy. And thanks for everybody out there listening. Just trust yourself. Yes. Yeah. Thank you for listening to Be Will Begin. Make sure to catch our Thursday Small Shifts episodes for five minute self reflective small questions that follow a theme in a guided meditation style. Also, be sure to click the follow button or check mark for Beeble Begin on your favorite podcast app to add it to your library so each episode downloads automatically. And if you'd like to stay connected for workshops and all Beeble Begin offers and get a free guide to working with fear and imposter syndrome, you can go to fearimposter.avanthousemedia.com or click the link in the show notes. Stay safe and keep creating.